This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, December 9th, 2008. I'm Caleb Brown. If anyone believes that under-regulation was the root cause of the financial crisis, then shouldn't they also believe that government is blameless in the run-up to that crisis? Lawrence H. White is the F.A. Hayek Professor of Economic History at the University of Missouri-St. Louis. He's an expert on banking and monetary policy. We spoke at the Cato Institute's Monetary Conference in November. A year ago, on the stage of the Cato Institute, Ben Bernanke unveiled a whole bunch of new transparency uh, measures that he would be taking at the Fed. Uh, When I spoke with uh, William Poole, a senior fellow here at the Cato Institute, he showed me a chart of reserves at uh, depository institutions that had just shot up in the last uh, six, eight weeks. And his question was, where's the transparency? There was no formal adjustment. I mean, clearly we're in uncharted territory here, but do you see a particular risk of these types of large movements without any type of announcement? Well, it's not only been the large movement, it's been the way in which the Fed has brought about the large movement in bank reserves that's really unprecedented. It used to be that bank reserves moved when the Fed conducted open market purchases or sales of treasury bills. In the last year, they've actually shrunk their holdings of treasury bills, but they've enormously expanded all kinds of special purpose loans that never used to appear on their balance sheet. They've created special purpose vehicles for investing in Bear Stearns and in money market assets, things they never used to do. Um, And if you put all those things together and think of them as an attempt to help prop up asset prices in those markets, you can call that a bailout. Uh, the Fed's bailout amounts to $1.7 trillion. That's the amount of new lending of types they never did before that are on their balance sheet now. It's just astounding. And so the monetary base has more than doubled in the last year. I mean, it's it's public in the sense that it's on their balance sheet, uh, but it's not discussed very much because nobody looks at their balance sheet. And I think fundamentally because they don't have to go to Congress and ask for permission to do these things. At least they haven't asked. They keep citing an obscure provision of the Federal Reserve Act that says that in exigent circumstances, they can do pretty much whatever they want. You know, as early as a year ago, and perhaps before then, uh, Barney Frank was arguing for global controls on the flow of capital. And more recently, he has called for what he called a systemic risk regulator. The argument is that, you know, the, the knee-jerk reaction by a lot of people is, well, we've, we've severely under-regulated these markets and allowed them to uh, run rampant as if there is some font of knowledge that, uh, if tapped, could make everything okay. There have been some people saying uh, this is a crisis created by deregulation. And when you point out that there hasn't been a lessening of regulation, um, that in fact there's been an increase in regulation through the Community Reinvestment Act being strengthened and new mandates being given to Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, uh, they say, well, what we really mean is not enough regulation. Well, not enough regulation, of course, of the right sort. Uh, But there seems to be a reluctance to recognize that regulation is not always stabilizing. In fact, it's more often destabilizing. And step back and take the bigger picture of uh, financial history The banking systems with the least regulation have been the most stable. Um, The case I like to cite is 
during the Great Depression, when thousands of U.S. banks were failing, Canada had no bank failures, principally because they didn't have restrictions on branch banking. They had nationwide branched banks. Those banks were much better diversified uh, than U.S. banks, and so they weren't failing in droves uh, in the 1930s. In the current crisis, Canadian banks are, are doing okay. They don't need any kind of bailout or special help. Um, they have a, a, a stronger banking system, I would argue, because it's less regulated. There's sort of a, a, an underlying gestalt that uh, statements like Barney Frank's reflects, which is that uh, private markets are thought to be inherently fragile. And there are economists who have cooked up models in which that's a feature. Uh, and then they, they think that it follows that uh, government action always stabilizes, uh, as you put it, as though the government has uh, greater wisdom than the private market participants. And, and when it intervenes, it'll always be on the side of the angels, as though they don't face knowledge problems and as though the government actors don't face incentive problems to serve special interests like the ones that Barney Frank is always trying to serve, like affordable housing. Uh, but if you start with those two assumptions, then clearly any instability is the market's fault, and any lessening of instability, thank goodness the government uh, wasn't doing nothing. It must have been the government's intervention that helped things. But I think that's almost 100% wrong uh, as applied to the current financial situation. Uh, it was interventions that encouraged uh, affordable housing in the sense of lending to people who didn't qualify on creditworthiness grounds to have mortgages and provision of the means for that by cheap Federal Reserve uh, credit policy that have caused the crisis. And a lot of mistakes were made in the private sector. Uh, those need to be sorted through. And the way they're sorted through is by letting the people who made bad decisions take their lumps. But the current role of the Fed and the, and the Treasury seems to be to try to uh, lessen those lumps uh, try to delay them, try to stretch them out, and that's not going to help uh, resolve things more quickly. <clears throat> it is often said that uh, whatever actions are taken in response to a given crisis sows the seeds of the next crisis. How is it possible that we can get back to a financial sector, uh, banking sector, and to some extent home ownership in general, or there's not going to be a popular attitude that hey, there's some uh, aura of protection out there that I so I don't need to worry as much. Well, I think you've identified the problem. The, the problem is uh, an over-reliance on uh, government to protect us or the view that they, they should implicitly guarantee or explicitly guarantee every financial product that's uh, being offered uh, as opposed to people building, being willing to take responsibility for uh, decision-making. It started with bank deposit insurance. It spread to all kinds of other deposit insurance, uh, credit unions, um, broker-dealer accounts. And uh, in the last year, it's, it's been expanded uh, even further uh, to money market funds, for example. So we need to sort of move in the other direction if we're going to limit the moral hazard problem of people not taking an honest look at the risks uh, of the decisions they're making, but figuring that they can pass the losses 
onto somebody else. Um, that's kind of the ideological uh, hurdle we have to overcome. Uh, but I guess it starts with pointing out the consequences of ec uh, extensive safety nets. Lawrence H. White is the F.A. Hayek Professor of Economic History at the University of Missouri-St. Louis. He's an expert on banking and monetary policy. You can watch Cato's recent monetary conference, Lessons from the Subprime Crisis, at our website, cato.org.